0: Hello guys, welcome to another episode of Lifestyle Architecture Lab. In this show, I talk about lifestyle design, financial freedom, and also dissect the process, behavior, and routines of the personalities who have designed a lifestyle of freedom for themselves. These guests range from artists, musicians, entrepreneurs, lifestyle coaches, investors, professional athletes, etc., These conversations dig deep into their stories to find out their thought process, tools, strategies and tricks that makes them tick. This is
1: happening. Let me just do what I love to. No 9 to 5. Eat
0: that frog. You got your card hard. Risk comes from not knowing what you are doing. This is Lifestyle Architecture Lab, and I am your host, Himanshu Sachdeva. In this episode, I am talking to Shivani Gharat, who is the principal correspondent at CNBC Awaaz News Channel and also an ultra-marathon runner. She has travelled more than 32 countries. On her Instagram page, she shares her fit lifestyle with the audience and inspires thousands of people. In this episode, we talk about her story, how she started off with journalism and how she worked her way towards CNBC AWAS. She also shares insights which might be helpful for the aspiring journalists. Shibani is the first non-Ladakhi woman to complete the Dungla challenge which claims to be one of the highest marathons in the world with an altitude of 11,000 to 17,000 feet above the sea level. She shares many stories from her life experiences. It was a delight to have this conversation with her. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Shivani Gharat. Hey Shivani, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thank you so much. Uh,
0: it's my absolute pleasure to have you on the show Shivani, as you are already a well-known public personality because of your work as the principal correspondent at uh, CNBC Ava's channel, uh, but there is a lot more about you which people still don't know. Even I am really curious to uncover different layers of your personality and uh, how you became the Shivani Gharat that you are today. You have created an amazing career uh, which lets you live this awesome lifestyle where you can travel a lot more, explore the world and also be an independent person who loves pursuing her passion for ultra marathons as well. So I have a lot of questions for you today. But to start things off, can you share a little bit about your academics and how you started with journalism?
1: So, I was always uh, keen on uh, writing things and uh, I still love to write, although I don't get so much time as much I should ideally dedicate to writing. But, uh, you know, I had done a photography course uh, like very, uh, very long time ago and it was organized by Times Journal of Photography. So, they said that, uh, you know, since you feel like writing and you are really interested in writing, uh, you know, the editor was in fact a part of that course. Uh, So, she said that, why don't you start contributing on a regular basis? So, it was like a monthly magazine uh, and I was still studying, I was in college. So, I really, uh, you know, enjoyed uh, contributing on a regular basis, although I was a science student and journalism was, you know, is pursued as arts. So, it's very difficult to, like, uh, you know, switch fields from science to arts. So, I was like, you know, I will continue doing whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm studying, and I will uh, keep on contributing on a regular basis. So I started off as a freelancer, writing for Times Journal of Photography, taking pictures, and I always had this uh, thing for visual storytelling. So that's what got me into, like, you know, writing and telling stories visually. So like my stories used to have lots of images, because it was a photography magazine, obviously it needed to have a lot of images. But also it was, you know, that's when I got to write for the first time and I thoroughly started enjoying it. Then, you know, like eventually I went on to study journalism from Sophia's and while studying, I used to contribute to Asian age. So I started off as an intern with Asian age and they really liked my work. So I used to contribute to their city page. Uh, on a regular basis I used to freelance with them and keep on contributing like while I was still uh, you know doing my studies yeah so yeah so for the love of writing and telling visual stories and I like telling stories in general like if you meet up with any of my friends they will tell you that always have some or the other story to tell all the time so I really like telling those stories so yeah it was like a perfect blend
0: And as we discussed that day when we met for pre-recording session, so you were telling me uh, you interned under uh, Olga Tellis. So can you tell uh, your experience with uh, uh, her as an intern?
1: Oh, she was so amazing. Like I have, you know, like luckily I have been, uh, you know, like blessed with people working around me who are so dedicated uh, you know as journalists and Olga was uh, one of them Uh, amazing you know like she used to be in office till late hours is what I remember and you know very uh, like a uh, like an eye for uh, good writing uh, penchant for uh, you know let's say uh, uh, you know good English and you know like a flow there has to be like a flow to the story that you tell a lot of generation uh that joins journalism today they don't understand how a, a story should flow
0: right you know so
1: that that flow is very crucial that's what keeps like the audience or let's say your reader engaged so like you know uh, many such things which you learn from every uh like you know boss that you work with uh, she had like many of those qualities i believe and so is, uh, you know, like the current people that I'm working with. I mean, you know, some of the people around me, let's say, for example, Shireen Bhan, she's like the most hardworking person I have seen in my life. Like whether mm-hmm. it's a weekend, you message her, call her, she's always there to reply. She, it never happens that she's not available to answer your question or to answer your query, uh, you know. So many such people uh, that I have worked with, Sanjay Pugalia, for example, amazing person uh, you know when I had joined Awaz, it, he was like a great person to work with again the same quality hard work always ready to take your call, always ready to answer your uh, query. Uh, Nothing, no such system of, you know, like you have to speak to someone, speak to a secretary and get into the cabin, uh, you know, just uh, speak to some manager. And then, you know, there was never a wall. Like You can just open the door and talk to these guys. And that was like the most amazing thing about working with these people. Mm
0: -hmm. That's what uh, makes a good good leader, I think, who can uh, let their colleagues work with them with such ease right
1: yes absolutely uh, there is
0: a quote uh, from a very uh, renowned author tim ferris uh, he mentions it uh, quite a frequent times so that is uh, you are the some of the five people you surround yourself with so i think as you said as you surround yourself with such a such an amazing uh, clan so i think that that is what makes you more uh, interesting
1: oh i mean uh... It is, uh, you know, just, I mean, I'm all hard work, yeah. Like, I wish I was half as uh, talented as many people that I see. But I am very hard working. That is my thing. I am extremely hard working. And that is one of the qualities that I really like about myself. Like, I will give my blood, sweat, last uh, atom of my body to, like, a thing when, when I decide upon. So, I am like that. Like, had it been, like, a combination of, like, Oh, you know hard work plus talent then it would have been like a different story but i'm like pure hard work
0: hard work also uh, gives meaningful results i think that's what is happening with you
1: yes.
0: <laughs> yeah so moving on uh, can you tell uh, what was your first story which you ever covered uh
1: first story that i ever covered now I can't remember. You know, mostly interns get to do these, you know, product launches, photography, book launches, and all of that. So maybe it would be one of those uh, things. Uh, I I'm not really sure what was the first story that I really covered.
0: Yeah, I think uh, we were discussing, and you mentioned some murder case, uh, which was Poshan. Yeah, yeah, that Leheng. was
1: much later.
0: That was much later. Okay, that
1: was much. That was much later. Yeah, there was this uh, that got me the first uh, front page.
0: Okay. Because
1: I had done a story on, uh, you know, how there's this, uh, the, there were these two techies
0: mm-hmm. and one
1: of the techies uh, in the relationship was murdered in a hotel. Okay. And, uh, you know, it had like that perspective on how many of the hotels in Bombay do not allow, uh, you know, renting a room for, you know, probably one night stay or two nights stay for a couple who is unmarried. Mm -hmm. So, they always ask for, like, marital uh, proof. So, like, you know, a couple is left with no choice but to go to all of these shady properties that are there across Bombay Mm -hmm. to, like, spend that night. Either there is a five-star, which doesn't bother you with any of these silly questions.
0: Yeah.
1: Or, you know, so, it was, like, a story on that, I believe, is what I remember. So, that was one of the stories that gave me like a front page and I was really happy about it. So, I remember that one for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Alright. Yeah. A- and uh, as many of the youngsters might be listening to this episode who are uh, pursuing journalism right now. So, for them, I want to ask you, uh, what was your process in the initial stages when you were uh, uh, covering your first stories? and? How did you research for those stories? Any specific methods or sources? Uh,
1: So, first of all, the key is to to verify whatever you do. Like, you have to verify and verify and keep on verifying. So, if somebody says that, you know, IPL rights were bought by so-and-so broadcaster for a 16,000 crore, let's say. Mm -hmm. So, you not just call up, let's say, like that broadcaster. You... Call up probably an ICC. You call up, let's say, probably like a media planner and a buyer to figure out is is this cost justified? Is it valid? Is Was it actually purchased for this? You call up an auditor to find out. So you have to, first is verification of whatever information that you get. You can't just go ahead and print whatever you, uh, you know, like find, find out. Plus, I come from an era where Google and, you know, search engines were there But not Mm -hmm. so evolved as they are today. Today you can just, you know, uh, type on Google that I feel sad, what do I do? And there'll be Mm -hmm. 50 solutions available. But, you know, then it was not much refined as, you know, it is today. Still a lot of things needed to be done. Like a Wikipedia can't be your source of information. A lot of people joining journalism today, they think Wikipedia is like a source. Wikipedia is a source that, you know, anyone can edit, edit, anyone can add to it right so that that can't be your uh, valid source of information so you have to keep on asking keep on checking keep on you know like figuring out whether there's truth to whatever information that you get so that is like the most important thing i think about journalism second thing is you need to have like a keen eye like you know you need Mm -hmm. to have like they say the nose for news there should be a nose for news you should be able to Oh, you know, sniff it probably and understand, you know, that's going to be big in the coming days. Or probably, you know, just spot trends around. Listen, keep your eyes and ears open. Yeah, so, you know, like like for example, they say that if it happens once, it's fine. If it happens twice, it's still okay. But -hmm. if it happens three times, then it's a trend. So, you know, you need to keep an eye for those trends. Trends, You uh... need to keep your eyes and ears open all the time so that also you know gives you like a sound perspective when, whenever you're covering any form of story
0: yeah i think that's a great advice so uh, coming back to your uh, career how how did you get the opportunity to work with cnbc in the first place
1: so i was working so first of all i graduated in the recession year there were no jobs yeah. so whatever jobs were available you know you had to take it up uh, so i started off as a copywriter then eventually you know like i have got all my jobs applying online through the sites such as naukri.com and monster.com apply karo apply karo apply mm-hmm. apply apply no reply still <laughs> you know like don't give up hope so yeah. you know like uh, call for interviews like four times, five times, given copy tests and all passed through copy tests. And then, you know, eventually, uh, got into network 18 publishing, arm, like the publishing arm of network 18. Okay. Then from that job, I moved on to, after being a copywriter, uh, by the way, you mm-hmm. uh, know, BTL below the line agency. Okay. After that, uh, P- network 18 publishing happened after network 18 publishing. I, uh, you know, got a job again, applying online where, uh, the editor uh, picked up my resume and he was a Delhi-based guy. He said that, you know, like he called me one fine day and uh, I was at at Network 18 Publishing. Mm-hmm. He said that, you know, listen, I'm in Bombay for a day and, uh, you know, your resume seems very interesting. The kind of the body of work that you've done seems interesting. Mm-hmm. So why don't you do one thing? Uh, why don't you come and meet me? So, I was, uh, he was calling me at about 12.30 in the afternoon. Okay. And I was, my lunch break used to be uh, 1 to 2. Although, the lunch breaks are very fluid across in any media organization. Like, nowadays, though I have my lunch at desk. Mm-hmm. But, you know, <laughs> then it 1 to 2 was supposed to be the lunch time back then. So, I was like, okay, give me half an hour because afternoon there is not much traffic also on the road and I was based out of, my office was based out of Dadar. I Mm. took a cab within 20 minutes. That office was in Bandra, reached Bandra, gave a copy test, gave an interview and came back to my office by 2.15. Wow.
0: To continue
1: (laughs) with my work again within lunch break, skipping my lunch. So that guy was so impressed. He's like, listen, I had like, you know, good 20 people to meet you know, in the last, whatever, you know, three, four days. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the whole thing, what I did, like that whole gesture, you know, was, he was so impressed by that. He just called me, he's like, you know, you're hired. Like, that's it. So I was like, and that was, uh, it was online and it was some, uh, you know, website that everyone from the advertising industry read. Mm-hmm. So, it was a big deal for, you know, the advertising marketing industry. So, yeah. it was called AFax.com. So, uh, and the guy who interviewed was Prajal. And he still narrates this story to everyone, by the way. Like, you know, whenever they speak of me. Wow. So, you know, so I worked with AFax for about, uh, you know, little, a little less than two years. Mm-hmm. is when, uh, you know, like I, there was a conference which was happening in JW Marriott. And I was, you know, they were starting this new initiative for videos. So far, it's, it was all written and images and all of that on eFacts. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, like me being uh, curious about photography, they said that why don't you start it off? You know, you do the camera work. We'll have hire an editor to edit it. Edit whatever whatever content you shoot. So I used to shoot it myself and transfer it, and this editor would copy it. That's how, you know, the whatever the episodes would get edited. Mm-hmm. So, I was shooting at one of these events for AFAX, and that's when, uh, you know, our former editor-in-chief, Sanjay pobalya spotted me at the event. And mm-hmm. he said, you know, you look very, you have a very TV face, and you have a very TV style, why don't you join TV? So, I thought he was oh, joking.
0: Wow. <laughs>
1: so, and I had heard of Sanjay Pughalya, but I have never I had never met him in person. So, I thought he's bluffing. So, when he introduced himself as Sanjay Pughalya. So, I checked his batch and I'm like, oh my God, it is Sanjay Bukalya. It is really him. Yeah, so he said, why don't you do one thing? Just, I'll call you on this Sunday. You, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, let me know, we are doing like a show on the same beat that you're covering right now. And, you know, we would really love to have you on board for this particular property of ours. So Mm -hmm. I, you know, heard him out and I completely forgot about it. I didn't expect to call him, you know, at the time that he said he would call me, which was at about four. So Mm -hmm. he did call me at four on Sunday and I was, you know, pleasantly surprised And I had done no research for the show that he had asked me to watch. And when he called, I was so taken aback. So I said, uh, okay, just give me like 15 minutes. I'll call you back. And I quickly Googled YouTube the episode. I watched it, watched another episode, uh, you know, did some uh, research, jotted the points, etc. And then he called me me back after uh, 30-40 minutes. And I had all my research in hand. So, he asked Mm -hmm. me like a couple of questions and he's like, okay, done. Just come and meet me. No, no, just come and meet me, like, you know, in office or, uh, you know, at some place in case if you're too cautious that somebody will spot you and, you know, Mm -hmm. will inform your organization. Yeah. Yeah. So, then I met up with him, met up with the team and I was here within like a month.
0: Finally at CNBC, (laughs) Awaaj. Yes. And uh, as you mentioned, you, you were doing the photo and video work. So, did you do some uh, uh, training for that beforehand? I mean, uh, while you were studying?
1: Nothing. But as in basic, of course, like everyone goes through that. Everyone has to make a video, yeah. make a documentary. Everyone, every journalism student has to do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so, that I had learned it uh, back in college. Yes.
0: Okay, uh, so moving forward from your career, so how did you get introduced to this active lifestyle as you are now an ultra runner as well? So, how did it all start?
1: So, uh, it started when, uh, you know, like I had this really crazy hours at work when I was in uh, Uh, you know, the uh, BTL agency that I was working for and uh, Mm -hmm. I developed a back injury. Like I was on bed, dressed with traction, etc. for almost a month and I was in such a bad shape that my mother had to like, you know, lift me up when I was sitting somewhere. So it was a pretty uh, bad state and I have Mm -hmm. been a taekwondo player in college. So... I, ha- I used to have like three hours of practice in the morning, then college and three hours of practice in the evening. So I was fighting fit in college. Wow. And, you know, from there to, you know, somebody helping me out to get up from like a chair was something that I never imagined of myself. Mm-hmm. So I was like, listen, this needs to be changed. So, since, mm-hmm. you know, my work hours are not regular, my food habits are not regular, yeah. you know, why don't I try something, you know, to do with my fitness? But now, you know, like you see a splurge of the gyms around us and, you know, workout places around us. Yeah. Back in 2008-2009, there were hardly such so many places. Like, mm-hmm. There was only Gold's Gym and Cars. that limited few locations, you know, across Bombay. Uh, Mm -hmm. Or, you know, those typical gyms that you get, you know, with machines and etc. around us. So nothing like free body weight and all of that. And I'm not a big fan of gyms. Plus timing has to be really suitable. The timing was the biggest factor because my work hours were very erratic. Plus travel combined with travel. uh, I was like, I need something. It had to be something which I can do anywhere, like, you know, at whatever time I want. So then I thought, why not get back to the original habit of running, which I used to do during Taekwondo as like a conditioning practice. Why not try it out now? So Mm -hmm. I started with like a kilometer, you know, running 500 meters and 500 meters back, like, you know, 300 meters of run and 100 meters of walk. Walking. Then 400 meters of run and probably 100 meters of walk like that. So that became like a kilometer, a kilometer became two kilometers, three kilometers. Then someone told me, why don't you register for a marathon? So mm-hmm. I went home and I checked that there was a, a Mumbai marathon was just like a couple of uh, months away. like, And the registration for the half marathon was already full. So I was okay. like, listen, I have run in... College and I have also run for uh, cross country for college. So, why can't I do fully or how difficult will it be? So oh, I wow. Just, you know, I just registered for a 42 kilometer just like that. Like, that was the first race run of my life. So, the full length, I, full, full marathon. Yeah, the full marathon was the first run of my life. Wow. And uh, I was uh, like, you know, the longest run was my transition period between AFAX to CNBC, which mm-hmm. was like my, I had taken like a two weeks break.
0: Between the jobs.
1: Between yeah. the jobs. Yeah. And uh, I was like, you know, 42 years registered, let me just, you know, just uh, run like a little longer. So, mm-hmm. 17 kilometer was my longest run before a full marathon. I ran 17 k, and I decided, okay, now I'm prepared to run a full marathon. So wow. I went ahead and I did a full with 17 kilometers ka practice. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I did it sub five hours.
0: Sub five. My first,
1: wow. Yeah, my first ever full marathon.
0: Wow, first ever marathon and that too in sub-5.
1: So it was, I mean, and I didn't know the, what do you say, the magnitude of doing a full marathon. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, it's a run, I finished, okay, move on. Mm -hmm. But then next year when Star Sports contacted me that, you know what, you've done amazingly well in Mumbai Marathon. That was your first ever run. Have -hmm. you run before? Have you done halves and all of that? I was like, no, that was my first ever run. (laughs) So they contacted me and they wanted to do a story. That's when I understood that I have done something big. Like, you know, till then it was like, yeah, whatever. Like I've just run. Like I just finished a run i i didn't know the impact completing a sub 5 full marathon is like many people's goal it was like yeah i just ran it was like mm-hmm. that like i had no sense of celebration or whatever just yeah. that i didn't die was like <laughs> the goal good enough to good enough to celebrate so yeah. i was like yeah i survived now i need some sleep
0: to you it was just casual i think for people it is like heroic effort
1: yeah so i was like yeah whatever i finished it mm-hmm. was only next year when they contacted me in december uh, 2013 mm-hmm. is when i realized that oh wow you know i have done something big
0: so the marathon was in 2013 itself right january jan
1: 2013 and okay. uh, star sports contacted me a year later okay. to do to follow track my entire run across the course okay uh, for the giant 2014 event
0: Mhm the okay. next event great and uh, so as as we were discussing you mentioned that you have also completed the dungla challenge which which is a very prestigious uh, race i think on a very high altitude so yeah. uh, i did some research and i found out that you are the first non ladakhi woman to complete that challenge which you did in 2014 yes. so any specific story or any memory coming to mind from that experience
1: um, again, the same thing. I didn't know that, you know, I was quote unquote, the first non-Ladaki woman to do it until the organizers told me, uh, you know, it was in, uh, after the Mumbai marathon, there was this ultra runner called Dharmendra Kumar. Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to ask him, okay, like, okay, so now I have done uh, two full, mar- two, actually three full marathons I had done by then, by then and yeah. I had done a Nilgiri challenge. So he was there in the, the Nilgiri's 100 kilometer race. Uh, which, uh, you know, I did it with like quite a few uh, popular runners across the country. Mm -hmm. So he said that, listen, you know, this, uh, you know, Nilgiri, so you have done, but there is a more beautiful race and a more cynic race that you must do. So I was like, which one? So he's like, okay, there's a 72 kilometer run that happens in Khardungla Pass, you know, Mm -hmm. which crosses you, where you cross the Khardungla Pass Mm -hmm. and it's really beautiful. Why don't you give it a try? He he had been doing it for the past two years before I did, I guess, or at least one year for sure, because his experience was like at least a one or two year old. So he said that, okay, I have done it and I really like the run. So, why don't you give it a try? I'm going anyway. So, there were a couple of other 2-3 uh, runners who were, you know, like going with him. Mm-hmm. So, I was like, cool, I'll, uh, you know, I will participate in that challenge. And I went to Ladakh. And I, it was tough because, you know, it requires a lot of acclimatization. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because I am going from sea level like Correct. literally sea level yeah and to 18,000 plus feet altitude mm-hmm. so you know like first two three days are really tough even when you reach lay yeah. then slowly and steadily you know you tr- you uh, you know acclimatize you climb you start climbing monasteries so I used to climb monastery steps up and down I okay. tried running like a couple of times etc
0: so this this particular race it goes from Leh to Ladakh. Is that
1: something? no no? It starts from Khardung village. Okay. Uh yeah, approximately fourteen thousand feet above sea level, mm-hmm. and takes you all the way or it takes you all the way up to Khardungla Pass. Okay. You run all the way to Khardungla Pass, and then you descend towards Leh from there on. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. So it's climb first is full climb and the second is like a complete descent. Like
0: you are running a mountain basically.
1: Yes, yes. Wow. So, it was tough but it was really scenic. It was really amazing. It was a beautiful run Mm -hmm. Uh, and I really enjoyed uh, running that. So, it was only after I finished is when they told me that uh, you are the first non-Ladakhi girl to finish it and I was like, wow, you know that...
0: (laughs) unexpected surprise
1: fabulous yeah Yeah. very unexpected Mm -hmm. yeah
0: all right so you have done uh, many ultra marathons till now and marathons also so any specific race which has been the best experience of your life till now
1: one of the best marathon experiences that I have had was New York City Marathon because I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Right from uh, the word go to the finish line, mm-hmm. it was so amazing. The energy, the crowd support, everything was spectacular. The arrangements on the road, the policemen, NYPD cheering up for you, wow. uh, you know, even uh, the people like half. Half of New York was on the streets. Uh, huskies were giving wi- high fives to you while you were running. Wow. It was phenomenal. It was really phenomenal, uh, you know, to experience something like this. Also, partly because it's like a world marathon major, yeah. so that makes a lot of difference. It attracts, like you know, about fifty thousand plus people. Uh, you know, a start off to run a full marathon, which is like a phenomenal number. You know, yeah. full marathon yeah. is. You know, like uh, for a full marathon, that's like a huge, huge number. Huge number. So, and you know, it's not that it's an easy run. Like a Berlin is like a flat course. It's an easy run to -hmm. do. This is tough it's tougher if it gets windy it's tougher if it's a cold day or it starts raining or something mm-hmm. it is freezing at the start line like you are really shivering and you know waiting for the race to begin
0: yeah
1: and plus the whole bridges that you cross the five boroughs that you have to uh, pass it's it's really tough on your body but it's worth it it's, it's, worth it's it. really ama- it's really amazing energy so, I really, uh, you know, enjoyed doing that one, which is the most, uh, you know, like the recent memory of a good marathon that I have is mm-hmm. of New York City Marathon.
0: Wow. So, you do it every year?
1: No, no. I did it for the first time in November 2018. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, you are planning this year as well?
1: No, it's a very difficult place to get uh-huh. into. Like, I'm, okay. I'm not really lucky with ballots and draws. Uh-huh. I'm the unluckiest person with such things. <laughs> so luckily I got through uh, last year. Okay. Um I I'm not doing I'm doing Chicago this year.
0: This year Chicago, the windy city. Yes. Wow. Okay, so coming to your uh personal side, how, how does your typical day look like these days?
1: Uh-huh. So these days I'm training for an ultra marathon. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, I am, as you know, training for an ultra marathon. Means that you are sleep deprived, mm-hmm. overworked out. Plus, uh, typical day these days, like you know, there is no typical day for me, uh, because the kind of job that I have. So yeah. some days I'm at office. Most of the days I'm on field. So there is no day. The best part about journalism is no day is same. Like. You know, every day is a different day. Every mm-hmm. day you do something different. Every day there is a new story to cover. Every day there is, you know, some something new that you discover. So, mm-hmm. it's it's quite amazing that way. So, but typically, I wake up at about 5 every morning. Mm-hmm. I am out on the road in the morning. Like, you know, depends on the length of the run that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. uh Whatever time I finish the run or that workout that I'm doing, come back home, have my breakfast stroke lunch together mm-hmm. because I have like a full meal in the morning before I leave for work. I have like, a, you know, I have like a proper dal chawal, sabzi, etc. in the morning mm-hmm. and come to office And then the day continues, like, you know, sometimes I'm in office till 8, sometimes till 10, 11, depends, like, but I make it a point to save every 15 minutes that I get and, you know, direct it towards running so that I can train as much as I can in whatever time I have. Mm
0: -hmm. So you are juggling all the time between being a correspondent and being an ultra marathoner as well. That must be pretty hectic
1: yes yes yes
0: yeah okay so as an ultra marathon runner uh, is there any specific exercise regime you follow along with your runs uh, any workout routine mostly
1: mileage mm-hmm. mostly mileage uh and i uh, swim for cross training and mm-hmm. i also do lots of uh, strength training and uh, sometimes i do yoga
0: And uh, is there any specific mindfulness practice also you do? Any meditation or anything like that?
1: Um, Nothing. Actually, whenever I get some time, I have this really cool watch, Apple Watch Series Mm 4. So, there is this one-minute breathing exercise and it's really relaxing when you do it. So, I, you know, in the middle of a work day, I sometimes do it.
0: So, like deep deep breathing and uh, uh, on your watch. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes, that's right. That's right.
0: Okay, and how do you take care of nutrition on a daily basis? So, as you told, as in the brunch, you have a normal dal chawal and uh, the Indian food. So, any, any specific thing you add in your nutrition?
1: I have whole meals. Like, I have three to four proper whole meals in the day, which include like everything, all components of your, you know, like, whatever normal food that you eat. Mm-hmm. Ghar ka khana that you eat. Mm-hmm. So even in the morning after my workout I have dal, chawal, uh, uh you know, probably chapati or sabzi, then dahi, mm-hmm. then cucumber, tomato, as in sliced salad, mm-hmm. and you know, like one fruit, maybe like an apple or maybe like a mango, because mango is seasoned now seasonal yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: now. Yeah.
1: Uh, some mosambi or uh, santra or papaya or whatever that is there at home mm-hmm. and this I have this whole meal and only then I come to work whether it's 9am in the morning or whether it's 10am mm-hmm. whatever time of the day mm-hmm. I have all of this and uh, only then I leave house
0: oh wow so mix of vegetables and homemade food and also yes. some fruits right yes alright
1: and I have it, I similar meals I have through the day. Like it It has to be a whole meal. It can't be like one component. It can't be only proteins or only fibers mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, only juices or whatever. Like juice too, I think anyone without it should consume juices.
0: Yeah.
1: A fruit is better eaten.
0: Yeah, yeah. Instead of juice, you have a raw fruit itself. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So moving forward, uh, Can you name a person who has had a big impact on your life? Maybe a mentor? uh, And how did this person impact your life?
1: Uh, I think it's my mother. It's really my mother. My mother is uh, very uh, fiercely independent. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have seen her multitask uh, all through her life. Mm -hmm. She has, I think, made me what I am today. You know, she really you know like she I've seen her work really hard uh, you know manage me manage her work you know get promotions and then spend Saturday afternoons at swimming pools with me Saturday afternoons taking Mm -hmm. me to like art classes and then attending my school uh, you know like parent teachers meeting etc and taking my studies and really pushing me through everything in life, you know, maybe she doesn't come for any of my runs and that's perfectly okay. But she's there. Like, you know, she, when I go home, she's there, you know, she's there with like all her lovely food that she makes. And, you know, like she's there. She's always been there. So I think, yeah, my mother has really shaped me as a person, as, somebody uh, who I am. Plus, one of the biggest things that, you know, she's taught me that has never happened that, you know, she would be, uh, you know, stressed out about, you know, let's say I have fallen and I have broken my hand and, you know, like, or uh, I have injured myself or, you know, there's something wrong that has happened. Maybe probably I have not got great marks. Okay, she would have been upset for like Mm -hmm. uh, half a day or something. But, you Mm -hmm. know, she is the one who's, taught me the art of moving on and you know looking forward so she I mean I really have to give it to her for you know making me that kind of a person who can no matter how uh, you know hard I fall down like I have this ability to get up very quickly so Mm -hmm. I think you know that is what she has taught me because she would be like okay whatever like you know you broke your hand that's fine it's going to be all right don't cry about it too much it doesn't require so much drama move on you'll mm-hmm. be all right tomorrow
0: yeah, i think that that is the kind of support system uh, uh, everybody should have but mostly people don't have
1: and mostly independence like you know yeah. she is she's taught me to be like financially emotionally independent in many many ways Mm -hmm. and you know like I I really uh, admire her and respect her for that Mm -hmm. yeah
0: so the next question is uh, what advice would you give to your own younger self maybe a 20 years old Shibani Mm,
1: don't worry too much about the future you're going to be okay Mm
0: Mm-hmm, that's great. So you were worrying too much at that time?
1: Everyone does, you know. Everyone is, you know, worried about what they are going to do in life, whether you're going to get, like, a job or whether you're going to be successful. I think, you know, if you want something real bad, Paulo Coelho said that, you know, the universe conspires to ensure that you get that thing. Yeah. And it's true, like, if you want something real bad and you know you work towards it work hard work hard towards it the universe will conspire and you, you will eventually get what you want
0: mm-hmm.
1: you just need to have that patience
0: yeah that's true yeah mm. so uh moving on uh, what do you think about uh content creation uh presently and the future of media like in which direction the media is uh, moving forward and
1: how, how does that road look like? Hmm. Uh, I mean, it's very dynamic. Currently, you can't say, you know, everyone, even the bigger organizations are uh, looking at, you know, where will the media move forward to? A lot of people say that, okay, the future lies in digital. Mm-hmm. But yeah, TV still has a sizable chunk of your media spend yeah. in the country. Yeah. Like it is, it, is, it is a platform where, you know, uh, the highest spends... Uh, is uh, directed towards television like you know if you look at the IPL race for 10 second spots the rates uh, go up to anywhere between 12 to 15 lakhs and that's a huge amount for a 10 second spot a digital yeah. platform can never demand that kind of a money yeah so you know TV is still to stay I think the future of anything is engaging storytelling it is the way yeah. in which you adapt yourself to give, like, the best of the story that you have to tell around anything. It could be any topic. If if you, like, you know, one of my ex-bosses used to say that you should be able to tell uh, a story like, you know, you heard it from your grandparents, like, you know, your grandmother. Mm-hmm. Like, how would she tell you a story? You should be yeah. able to, you know, tell a story like that, you know, like, with flow, with conviction with you know uh, probably a little bit of uh, anecdotes here and there mm-hmm. so i think it is purely storytelling because at the end of the day any form of media is all about communication if you are able to communicate well then you know that's your medium
0: yeah i think storytelling is the most engaging thing in media any any new content also we see on youtube or maybe uh, uh, Facebook videos so all it's all about storytelling and how engaging that content is I think that that is uh, the most important thing yes okay uh, so what do you think about the impact social media is having uh, on your life as an individual and where it is leading to
1: I mean it doesn't have any impact on my life mm-hmm. I mean I switch off my phone uh, Whenever I feel like.
0: It okay. doesn't have
1: any impact. I can survive with it. I can survive without it.
0: So you are not like slave to your phones and uh, the digital things, right?
1: I am not. Absolutely not. It's mostly, uh, you know, I am with my phone to, uh, you know, cater to work and work related calls on an everyday basis.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: can, you know, you will not even uh, find me with a phone in hand over the weekends. It would be somewhere in the corner uh, line where I've kept it for charge or something like that.
0: Alright. And are there any specific gadgets or apps which you use which, which helps you uh, live a balanced life?
1: Uh, for a balanced life, currently I don't need uh, an app but one good uh, thing that Apple had added uh, was the screen time it helps Mm -hmm. you evaluate how much time you've spent on social media, how much time you've spent on, you know, being productive, like Mm -hmm. checking your mails, etc. And, uh, you know, that screen time is like a great eye-opener. So sometimes, you know, while uh, otherwise my social media... Uh, you know, consumption according to screen time is not as much, uh, you know, as, uh, you know, I've I've seen a lot of peoples, Mm -hmm. But, you know, especially when you travel, you don't realize that you're keeping on posting videos and pictures, etc. And suddenly you uh, see your social media screen time very high. So it's like a great eye-opener that, you know, okay, listen, you're traveling. You should be away from social media. Just enjoy the surroundings and stay away from social network for some time. Mm -hmm. So... So, I really uh, like that feature on an iPhone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it it gives you like a feedback on the time that you've spent on a mobile phone screen. And sometimes it works as a great eye-opener for you.
0: Wow, that's great. I think some some apps are there on Android as well uh, for that uh, along with iPhone.
1: Yes, there are. But uh, my phone is an iPhone. So, I use uh, screen time.
0: Alright, moving to the next question, what under 5000 rupees purchase you have made recently which changed your life in a better way?
1: Mm, What under 5000, oh yes, it's 2XU, it's the 2XU compression knots, I really love them and that's like one of the best purchases I've had as far as running is concerned of late. So yeah, so that is one thing uh, pertaining to running.
0: The compression, it, it's socks, you were saying? Uh, it's,
1: shorts. it's shorts. Shorts. Oh, sh- okay, okay, yeah. okay.
0: All right. Got it.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And any book you would like to recommend uh, here which changed your life in some way?
1: There are many books actually that really uh, changed my life in, uh, you know, many ways. Like I can, like, you know, I can go on and on about, uh, you know, the whole list. Mm
0: -hmm. Any specific two, three important books?
1: So, one was, of course, uh, you know, what I talk when I talk about running Mm -hmm. by Murakami. The other was uh, Born to Run, uh, Mm -hmm. about running again. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, these two books uh, really uh, changed my uh, uh, life. Then uh, the recent one, uh, the Michelle Obama's autobiography that I read, It was really uh, inspiring. Uh, Of the recent books, I have to really think it through now, this answer. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, let me think, book that changed my life. Actually, none. None? Yeah, actually, no. I mean, I really like reading. And, you know, probably I have related to that. Any particular book at that phase, uh, you know, when I was reading it, But nothing, you know, that was like, oh my God, life changing, nothing was life changing.
0: So it was like a collection of multiple books at multiple phases of your life.
1: Yeah. Plus I'm the kind of person I read two books at a time. Oh yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't say any particular book that changed my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right You know, there are phases, like every book impacts you in some way or the other Mm -hmm. at that point in time. Yeah. And you know, you learn a bit from every book. There is no one whole book that is like, oh wow, like, you know, it has changed me as a person. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah.
0: And uh, what does failure mean to you? What is your biggest, uh, or rather, I would say, favorite failure till now?
1: Many are like I fail all the time. like I fail doing things all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just how quickly you move on from it. like pick yourself up, get mm-hmm. up, and you know get going. Like you know the harder you get knocked down, the quicker I think you should get up.
0: Like a boxing match, if you are a, going to be a winner.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are so many failures. There are small, small failures that you face every day. There are small, small failures that you face. There are huge failures that you face, like, you mm-hmm. know, you know, in your life on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just that it happens. It's a part of the whole scheme of things. I can't be like a person who's, who gets, you know, who sulks upon it for like mm-hmm. a lo- lot of days. Like Mm -hmm. I'll sulk on it for like an hour or two, six hours, Mm -hmm. probably a day, but you have to quickly move on, quickly move on or have like a future plan of action, like always Mm -hmm. look forward.
0: Yeah. So moving forward as quickly as you can after failure is the way to go. Yes. Mm -hmm. And do you face criticism for your work? How do you handle it?
1: So many times so many times like on social media there are idiots who write uh, rubbish things so Mm -hmm. I mean I just don't take it too seriously I don't I'm not the kind of person who gets moved by criticism unless and until it is like a critical you know perspective where you know you are like actually giving like a feedback constructive feedback Mm -hmm. constructive criticism is Fine, yeah. like you know, but for for idiots who just keep on, uh, you know, just want to criticize you for the heck of it, just to make themselves look good. Yeah, they want to put you down. Like you know, it doesn't affect me at all.
0: I think these days on Instagram or YouTube, any Tom, Dick, and Harry can have a voice and uh, try to bog you down.
1: Yeah, it doesn't affect me. I yeah. There is a block button to everything.
0: Yeah. Right. Okay, so uh, what is what is next for Shivani Gharat Any challenges you are looking forward to? Any ultra marathons you are trying to uh, accomplish or any other uh, so challenge? So I'm
1: doing an ultra marathon in June in Mumbai. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mumbai uh, running any event is very tough because of the humidity and the heat. Yeah. And uh, I'm planning to do a 24-hour in the stadium in Mumbai. That is one of the biggest challenges I'm looking forward to. Uh, Because I know for a fact that weather is going to be tough Mm -hmm. uh, in Bombay. So that's a given. Mm -hmm. Humidity is going to affect me. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, I'm training for it.
0: So it was great talking to you, Shibani. Where can people reach you uh, on social medias or otherwise?
1: Uh, They can reach me on uh, at Shibani Gharat on Twitter and on Instagram.
0: All right. So, all the good stuff from this episode and all the links I'll share in the show notes of this episode. Thanks Shivani for making the time for this wonderful conversation.
1: Thank you. Thanks Himanshu.
0: Hey guys, this is Himanshu again. Now, before you move on, here's something I want to share with you. I have one weekly newsletter which is called Saturday Pentacle. You can think of it as a weekly one-page magazine for the curious minds where you'll find five awesome things which I've been pondering on in the last week. It may contain popular articles, blogs, photographs, Instagram posts, books, videos, products or thoughts. It's completely free. If you want to get it, just go to himanshusasdeva.com That's my name, himanshusasdeva.com and drop in your email. You'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoy it and thank you for listening.